Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We hope you experience God today. Make sure you visit us at risenking.life to take all your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Who needs a touch from God today? Who needs a touch from God today? Last night before uh, I went to bed, the Lord put this, um, I don't think it's a coincidence. He put 1 Corinthians 2 on my heart. This is not today's passage, but let me just share this with you before I preach. It says, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, it says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to in weakness with great fear and trembling. And hear this. If you're here to hear a good preaching, I, I need you to hear this, all right? If you're here to put your hope in preaching, I need you to hear this. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, both the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may never rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Who needs a touch from God today? Who needs a touch from God's power today? If that's you, can you just do this? Let's pray. God, sermons don't change lives. It's your power. It is your love. It's you, God, who changes lives. So, Father, I pray right now in the authority that we have in Jesus' name, and I break against every assignment of hell, against every person here in the name of Jesus. I break down the walls that have been formed up through bitterness, unforgiveness, hurts, wounds, lies, whatever. We break that by the power of the blood. And I say, Holy Spirit, come. Move. We need you. We want you. Come and do only that which you, God, can do. We seal this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. First Timothy 4, if you, don't, if you have your Bibles, please turn to it. If not, we got it up on the screen. I love it when we read together. Can we do that? Let's do it. <clears throat> the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is a savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Who needs a touch of God today? I do, as I'm preaching, I need the touch of God right now. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? 
Folks, how many of you know that there are a lot of things in life we can do without any proper training? You're probably looking at your boss at work. You're like, yep, that's him, right? <laughs> Just joking. Anyways, um, for example, basketball, right? Like, I don't think you need proper training. I don't think you need to learn how to shoot like Steph Curry to make one free throw shot. Right? I mean, there are so many different ways you can make one free throw shot. You, you can use a bowling ball. Like you can use a bowling method. Right, like you, you can use a between the legs shooting method. I mean, should you choose to, you can even kick the ball like a soccer ball, and I'm sure one of those will make its way into the hoop. Right? I mean, that you don't really need much training. But there are some things you cannot do without training. One of them, in my opinion, is running a marathon. Right now, marathon is twenty six point two ungodly miles long. All right, to give you some perspective, Risen King Church to the George Washington Bridge bus terminal, according to Google Maps, is twenty five point seven miles. If you were to ever have the craziest idea to walk that distance, Google Maps says it should take you 8.5 miles to walk that distance. That doesn't account for bathroom break. That doesn't account for I'm going to die break. It doesn't account for like lunch break, breakfast break, dinner break, right? Nonstop without stopping eight and a half hours. Now, can we be serious for a second? Why anyone would voluntarily choose to do that boggles my mind, all right? I googled the New York City Marathon. Not only do you have to qualify it for it, you have to pay $255 to run 26.2 miles. You have to be really special in your head to want to do that, okay? In my opinion, okay? All right? Gotta love you if you want to do it. Now listen, listen, listen. All joking aside, I'm not a doctor, nor am I a scientist, but I have a theory. Let me know if I'm right about this, okay? I'm pretty sure the human body is just not designed to run 26.2 miles. That's my theory, okay? Um, Suho this morning reminded me, you know, the origin story of the marathon, the young man who ran 26 miles to tell the general about some news. Do you know what happened to that young man after he ran the marathon? He died. See, it's unnatural, people. It's unnatural. You're not supposed to run 26.2 miles. Like, have you ever heard anyone say to you, you know what, Danny, I'm looking at my schedule today, and I see I have a six-hour free block. I think I'll take a brisk 26-mile jog. No, you don't hear that. People just don't do that, right? So I have a true confession to make to you right now. <laughs> a few years ago, a, a really good friend of mine, James, he started taking on running because for health reasons. And uh, he, started, <clears throat> he started pretty low. He told me, like, I started to run like one mile at a time. And over time, he stretched that distance out to the point where he was running about like at least five miles per jog. And over time, he lost a good amount of weight. He, was, like, he looked really good. And he shared with me that a bunch of health issues he was battling before the run, gone, disappeared, because he took on running. Now, I'm hearing that. 
And I'm thinking, maybe I should run. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm a clipboard guy. I'm a checklist kind of guy. So I made my checklist, okay? Now, first, I needed a plan. And here's my plan. There's a nice little park in front of my house. All right? I've walked around that block many, many times before. I'm very familiar with that terrain. Um, there are some areas where there are some incline, but that's okay. I think I can manage. Uh, so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? I think for a shot, I can do two miles. I think I can do that. So here's my checklist. I downloaded the Nike running app on my phone so I can plot my run. I downloaded, uh, a, I made my custom running playlist because, you know, you need the eye of the tiger for that turbo boost, right? And then I, got my, I charged my Bluetooth headset so it's ready to go. I got my Nike dry fit shirt. I got my Nike dry fit shorts. I got my Nike dry fit socks. I, I'm, no exaggeration, I literally have that outfit. And, you know, like I got nice running shoes and I'm off. I'm off. My first, my first lap, I feel good, people. I feel good, all right? Like, in my mind, that's what I look like when I run. <laughs> I look good. Look at me. I got, a fl- I got a flat stomach when I run. Nothing jiggling. And the second lap, eh, you know, not as good, but, you know, it's, it's a little bit sh- more struggle, but it's okay. My third lap, I'm huffing, guys. Like, I'm, I'm huffing. I'm puffing. Like, like, things in my legs are starting to hurt. Like, that incline that looks, you know, in the, in the objective, it looks like a little bunny slope. But in my mind, it's like I'm climbing Mount Everest right now. That's what it feels like. And by the fourth lab, dude, forget it. Like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, my, my, my hammies are shot. Like, my, my thighs are burning. My lungs are burning. I am wheezing. I'm pretty sure, like, my calves were, like, cramping at that point. So I'm like, okay, I'm done. I sit down on my front stoop. I look at the Nike app to go, all right, I killed it. Let's see what I did. I look at my phone. It says, I barely cracked one mile. I was like, 1.01 mile. I'm like, what? Like, there must be an error with my phone because my body feels like I ran 26.2 miles. Hello, you know what I'm talking about? And you want any other out of shape people besides me? Hear me, I can get the, the best gear that money can buy, right? Like, I can buy the best running shoes. I can buy the best running gear, shirt, shorts, whatever. I can do my best to look like a marathon runner. But how many of you know, if I don't train like one, there is no shot on God's green earth I am going to run 26.2 miles. You know what I'm talking about? There's no way. No way. There's a big difference between training to do something versus trying to do something. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, training, not trying. trying. Look at the other person next to you. Now, come on. I I saw some of you, you just looked at them. You didn't say anything. Look look at that person and say, training, not trying. That's right. I believe this is what Paul is trying to tell Timothy in today's passage. Now, let me just set the backdrop of this letter in 1 Timothy for you. Paul writes this letter to Timothy. He, Timothy is in this town, not town, a city actually, called Ephesus. Ephesus is located on the western coast of modern-day Turkey. Ephesus is a very important city because it is a port city. It is located along a major trade route, which means this. It was a commercial hub, which means 
a lot of people from all over the world sail, ride, whatever, to trade goods there, to do business there. And when there's a lot of people from all over the world congregating, there's also different religious practices that happen there. So it was a religious center. It was a center for pagan worship. There was a growing issue in the Ephesus church, and it was this. Paul was receiving word that false teachers were spreading heresy in that area, and it was starting to infiltrate the church. He actually singles out two false teachings in the passage we just read, if you caught it. The first one is you can't marry. And the second is you can, you can only eat certain food. If someone ever comes to me and says, Danny, to go to heaven, you can never, ever eat burgers and pizzas again, I'm going to say, get away from me, Satan. You go back to hell. You know what I mean? Like, that is not of the Lord because burgers are heavenly food. Amen. It is of the Lord. That's how I got in shape. Now, Paul's concern is that Jesus' followers were being deceived into believing. Catch this. If I perform specific acts, then I'll have salvation. Right? If I perform a certain way, my performance will determine my standing with God. Right? My performance will determine my worth, my value, and my identity. Right? My performance will determine whether I make it to heaven or not. Does that sound familiar to you? So this is Paul's wisdom to Timothy about how to not be led astray by those false messages. He says, train yourself for godliness. Can you say train yourself for godliness? Train yourself for godliness. Now before we go into what that actually looks like, what it is, what it isn't, I think it's important for us to break down two words in that phrase right there. First train, then godliness. That word train. Now, obviously, see, this is where, you know, a lot of things get lost in translation. In the ancient Greek language, there are several different words you can use for train. There is one word in Greek for train that's related to educating yourself. There's another word for train that's related to advising someone. There's another word for train that's related to disciplining someone. There's another word for train related to restoring someone. Paul doesn't use any of those words. He uses this word for train. It's called gumnazo. Can you say gumnazo? Yes. That word gumnazo is where the word gymnasium comes from. And the meaning of gumnazo is this to exercise vigorously or to practice physical discipline. Basically, we're talking about physical training here. Uh, <clears throat> I love Eugene Peterson, well, the late Eugene Peterson. He, he made a version of the Bible called The Message. If you've ever checked it out, it's pretty cool. Uh, I like his <laughs> interpretation. He writes this, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. No spiritual flabbiness, please. I like that. Now, I have a few friends who are personal trainers, right? They help people in physical fitness. And I asked them how they would define training. And here are some of their responses. My friend Tim said, training implies diligence, forethought, preparedness, 
It's about developing a partnership between you, the trainee, and the trainer. My boy, Ricky, hey. Uh, Ricky told me training is not a quick fix. It's a process. It takes time. And I love this one. Man, Amanda. When, when I read hers, I was like, yo, that's fire, man. I'm going to kill the people tomorrow with it. Training has an undying determination. I'm going to say that again. Training has an undying determination to accomplish or discover something more. Come on. That's training, all right? Now, what's godliness? Godliness is the reverence for God and a life of holiness. So I'm thinking, who best exemplified that kind of life? And the answer is... Jesus, that's a kindergarten answer, right? Jesus, like everything's Jesus, right? So another way, of, you could, another way of interpreting this verse could be train yourself to be like Jesus. Now here's the thing. I think it's so interesting that Paul would put those two words together, train, gumnazo, and uh, godliness. Because on the surface, they have no business being next to each other, right? Train talks about the outer appearance. But godliness talks about working on the inside. So why would he do that? It makes no sense. This is, what, this is the point I believe he's making to Timothy and to you and me today. Please hear me. I think he's saying this. All of the effort, all of the resources, and I'm talking about your time, your physical energy, your emotional energy, your even money, all the effort and resources you put into sculpting your body. Can I go a little bit deeper, people? All the effort and resources you put into working, tailoring your outer appearance. I'm not just talking about your clothes, although y'all look really pretty today. Or your makeup. I'm not talking about that. He's saying the effort you put into creating an image that you got it all together. When people ask you, Rennie, how you doing, bro? And you give them a big smile. Life's great. God is good. Hallelujah. When the truth is, your life is anything but great. Right? When the truth is, you're anxious, you're nervous, you're angry, you're bitter, you're disappointed, you feel hopeless, you feel lost, you feel overwhelmed with pressures of life. I believe what Paul is trying to say is all that effort in you trying to do that, I want you to flip it and focus it on training your inner life. Train to be godly, to be like Jesus. Bodily training is of some value, but training in godliness is of value in every way. Amen? Here's the thing. This sounds great, right? All of us should be doing it, right? But how come we're not? Why are we not? Because if training in godliness has value in... Listen, if I told you, you do this one thing and you will be a billionaire, 
I, I am willing to bet everything in my piggy bank that y'all will do it, right? All right? If godliness is of value in every way, why are we all not doing it every day, every second of the day? John Ortberg, one of my favorite preachers, pastor and author, he said this. Most of us, that's Christians, spend most of our lives trying to be like Jesus rather than training to be like Jesus. I'll say it again. Most of us spend most of our lives trying to be like Jesus rather than training to be like Jesus. Look at the person next to you say, training, not trying. Look at the other person next to you. Give them a smile and say, training, not trying. All right, what's trying? What's training? Let's look at trying. I think many of us are so drawn to trying to be like Jesus because, quite frankly, there's very little cost to doing that. It's cheap. The goal is not becoming like Jesus. The goal is to look like Jesus. The goal is having a form of Christ but not the substance of Christ. Okay. Please receive what I'm up to say with love because I believe it is with love. I think a more accurate term for trying to be like Jesus is imposter formation. Because honestly, I don't see it any other way. I don't think there's a more accurate description for this process than You're trying to be an imposter. Now hear me, folks, and I say this with love. I I don't think everyone here who operates this way is intentionally trying to do that, but it happens all the time. How many of you know it's so scary easy to slip into trying mode? Hello? Am I the only one? Are you all holier than me? Like... It's really easy. In imposter mode, right, relationship with Jesus, what is that? He is not the mean. I mean, he is not the end. He is not the prize. He is just a means to get to your prize. He is your personal assistant. Jesus, I'm thirsty. Give me that. Right? Like, he is your business partner. Jesus, if I do this, you do that. Or he is your overbearing judge. Jesus, I'll do this. Don't punish me. And as a result, yeah, Jesus has no control. He has no say in your life. So much of life is driven by fear fear of surrendering control, fear of being exposed for who I really am. And what that does is a lot of effort goes into creating what I call a righteous mask. Can I be honest with you? There are some times, I'll be honest, when I want to put on my righteous mask because on Saturday and Sunday, I want you to think, wow, Danny, like he, that guy's got it all together. 
When reality is, sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes if you take that righteous mask off of me, I'm a freaking hot mess. Like marriage with my wife is not good. I'm not, I'm not very nice to my kids. You know? John Orbrook says that a lot of those who operate in imposter mode do this. They use what he calls a spiritual boundary marker. These are highly visible, relatively superficial practices that allow people to distinguish those who are on the inside and those who are on the outside of the family of God. And friends, there's no exceptions to this. Every church has boundary markers including risen king. Let's not fool ourselves, right? So, hey, listen, <laughs> let's be real, all right? Like, when you go to a risen king, or, or as a newcomer risen king, or, or whenever you go to a, a different church, like, what, what's that thing that plays, plays in your head? It's like, all right, so what is the threshold for spirituality here? <laughs> right? Like, like, when I worship, what do I have to do to look like I'm actually kind of engaging? Like, do I do the waitress pose? Do I do the touchdown pose? Right? Like, what do I need to, like, like what? <laughs> yes. Or do the YMCA, right? You know, like, you know, what do, I, what do I have to do to look holy? What do I have to do to be part of the in crowd of the church? What's the acceptable dress code? How many times do I have to serve to be considered one of the good ones? Can I? Okay. Can be real? Can I admit I can watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> Is that okay? Or will I be cast out as a heretic? <laughs> if you can figure out the spiritual boundary markers here at Risen King, you can have the form of Christ. If you can figure out the spiritual boundary markers here at Risen King, you can fake it. You can fake me, but how many of you know you can't fake him? Orberg appropriately calls this pseudo-transformation because that's exactly what it is. No life change. No real life change when you do this. And here's the part that really ticks me off whenever I'm living this way or when I see others living this way. Because it's so demoralizing because you put so much energy, so much effort, so many resources to live in this way, and you have absolutely nothing to show for it. You put all that effort to appear righteous, to look holy, but if you peel back the layers, there's no maturation. There's no character development. There's n- like... Evidence of Jesus is barely there. Nothing to show for it. And what's worse is that those who operate in try mode, those who operate in imposter mode, those who operate in pseudo-transformation mode, they're usually the ones who are the most cynical and the most judgmental of those who are not. Right? Jesus talks about this, actually, in Matthew chapter 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Can I 
Can I modernize this for a little bit for our context? Woe to you, those who try to look like me. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind people. Clean the inside of the cup and plate so that the outside also may be clean. Amen. Woe to you, those who try to fake it till you make it. You are whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but on the inside you are, oh my word, full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So also outwardly you appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Aren't you glad you're at church today? And here's the thing. If we're being honest with ourselves, try mode, imposter mode, this is our default setting. Every morning when you wake up, we wake up with this setting. Requires so little sacrifice, requires so little surrendering of control, but it comes at such a personal cost. Little life change, pseudo-transformation, inch-deep relationship with God. And in my experience, when you have an inch-deep relationship with God, that tends to translate to all the other relationships you have in life. In my experience, maybe you're an exception. That's trying. Can I give you some hope? Can we talk about train? Let's stop talking about trying, okay? <laughs> what is training? Here's training. If trying is imposter transformation, then training is spiritual transformation. Amen? It is spiritual formation. Now, here's what Orprix I love his definition of spiritual transformation. This is his definition of training. The goal of spiritual transformation is to live as if Jesus held, catch this, unhindered sway over your body, over your life. Of course, it's still you doing the living. It's your temperament, your gene pool, your history. But to grow spiritually, to grow in Christ-likeness means to increasingly live as Jesus would in your unique place. To see what Jesus would see if he looked through your eyes. To think what he thinks. To feel what he feel, And to do what he would do. And over time, an amazing thing can happen. You find yourself beginning to want to live this way, it appeals to you. It makes sense to you. You no longer, catch this, you no longer want to do the right thing. That's trying to be like Jesus. Rather, you want to become the right person. That's training to be like Jesus. He goes a little deeper. He says that spiritual formation involves me learning from Jesus how to arrange my life around activities or disciplines that enable me to live in the Spirit. I think a good analogy for training in godliness is operating a sailboat. Anyone here ever go on a sailboat before? One, two, okay, a little bit more. Last service, only one. I was like, oh boy, all right, let's do this. <laughs> now, I have not, but I've done some research this week. Now, there are several <clears throat> roles and responsibilities if you ever want to properly sail a boat. Now, just so you're, you're if you're confused, uh, your life 
is writing on a sailboat, just so you know. What is Jesus' role in this? He is our captain. Say, can you say captain? And he is our tactician. Can you say tactician? What is a captain's role in your life? A captain's role is to teach you how to properly work all the parts on the boat so that you can properly position that sail so you can catch the wind at the right time. That's captain. What's a tactician? Tactician's role is to see the ocean, your life, what's ahead, to see the tide, to feel the wind where it's blowing, and to use it to your advantage. I see pain up ahead, but if you trust me, I can use it for your good. That's the role of Jesus. So what's my role? Are you ready? My role is to listen. My role is to learn. My role is to trust, and my role is to obey. My role is to position myself so that I am aligned with my captain so I can clearly hear his instructions. My role is to hear his instructions, hear his warnings, and to move accordingly. Hey, Danny, there is a nasty wave that's about to come. Brace yourself. Okay, let's do this. My role is to make all the preparations necessary in my life to prepare my sail, my sail, so that when the wind comes, I can catch it and fly. That's my role. So whose job is to provide the wind? Who provides the power to move me forward in life? Who gives the power to get me to the place where I cannot get on my own strength and abilities? Who gives me the power to break through that wall that I've been trying so freaking hard to, to no avail? Who gives me the power to change my life? Who gives me the power to become more and more like Jesus? And the answer is, it is God, it is the Spirit of God, yes. But here's the problem. We confuse that role to be our role. Have you ever seen anyone on a boat do this in a sail? <laughs> that it like, I mean, right? Like if you ever saw that, you're like, what are you doing? Like what a fruitless like endeavor to try to move a sailboat with. <sighs> but we do that, right? We think we're God. And we go, God, you're not moving at the pace I'm doing it. Here we go. I'm sorry if I'm spitting on you. <laughs> right? Who needs Jesus today? I'm serious. Who needs the power of Jesus to break through today? Who needs the power of the resurrected one to breathe new life into the dead areas of your life today? Who needs Jesus today? If that's you, you're in the right place, folks. You're at the right place. So how do we do that? How do I hear from Jesus? How do I align myself to him so I could hear clearly from him? How can I prepare my life so I can position my sail at the right place so that I'm ready to get the wind of God so I can move forward in life? How do I do that? 
The answer is the same answer since the beginning of time. Spiritual disciplines. It's not a sexy answer for some of you, but that is the answer. There, you, know how many t- <laughs> you know how many times I've gone to speak at retreats and, uh, or conferences, and, and I have always had at least one young man come to me, and he goes, hey, Pastor Danny, so I'm wondering, what's your secret? <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, did God keep something a secret for all of eternity except for me? Like, do I have some sort of secret wisdom, like some sort of secret spiritual discipline that he never told anyone, including Mike, but he told me? And so I have to be honest with the young man, and I'm like, actually, bro, like, I pray. I read the Bible. I love worship. That connects me to the heart of God. And, like, I I try to, to the best of my ability, schedule to see my bros so I can tell them how my life is, to confess some sins so I can be accountable to them. That's what I do. And almost always, that young man leaves disappointed because he wanted some secret sauce. When the reality is, the sauce has been the same since the beginning of time, amen? Richard Foster, he, he, he wrote a classic, a classic book called Celebration of Discipline. And in it, he talks about 12 spiritual disciplines. I highly recommend you read that book. And he he broke it down into three categories, and it looks like this. There is the inward, outward, and corporate. Inward disciplines include meditation, prayer, fasting, studying. Outward disciplines include simplicity, silence and solitude, submission and service. And the corporate disciplines includes confession, worship, guidance, celebration. Now, um, unless you want me to preach a five-hour sermon, I cannot go into each of these disciplines. But I want to end with this. I want to share some wisdom about how to approach these disciplines. And just two. The first one is this. Your current season of life is never a barrier to your spiritual training and growth. I'll say that again. Your current season of life is never a barrier. It is never an excuse for you to not train or to pursue growth. In my earlier days of faith, I unfortunately interpreted hardships and suffering and pain as a barrier to my spiritual training and growth. I chalked up hardship as my dry season. That's Christian lingo for, uh, I guess this is not a time for me to really feel God's love, so I'm not really going to pursue him anymore. So whenever I felt like I was in a dry season, I gave myself permission to not seek the Lord. I gave myself permission to not seek him in the private or the public. Or maybe the public, because, you know, I need to keep an image. But in private, I did not. Looking back, like, I'm so sad because I've wasted so many opportunities to grow. I have wasted so many 
fertile ground opportunities to train myself. I fail to realize that hardship and suffering and pain are absolutely necessary. It is you need it to grow in your relationship with God. To pray it away is to do yourself absolute disservice. Instead of asking God to pray it away, would you ask the Lord, would you redeem it? Can you redeem these tears, Jesus? Like, one of the hardest times, and I was going to share this, but one of the hardest times was when my, when my wife and I, we, we lost our first pregnancy, that we know of at least. There was a heartbeat one week, and the next week there was no heartbeat. And that was such a blow to us. I could have said, screw you, God. I'm not pursuing. You didn't pull through for me. I am pulling through for you. But I think it was, honestly, I think it was the mercy of the Lord. My wife and I together, we've agreed we're going to redeem this. And it, it really did bring us together. God did redeem those tears. God didn't redeem the pain because that's what he does. He takes what the enemy wants to use to discourage and bring you death. He gives it to use you, to bring into you life. Amen? So whatever season you're in, friends, whether it's a relationship change or loss of something you love very dearly, career change, whatever life change, whatever suffering you're going through, don't waste it. It's not a barrier to growth. Use it for growth. Amen? And the second piece of wisdom I want to share to you, ah, I forgot to share this. I'll share it with you. Whatever our season of life, it offers its own opportunities and challenges for spiritual growth. Instead of wishing we were in another season, we ought to find out what this one offers. Every moment is potentially an opportunity to be guided by God in his way of living. Every moment is a chance to learn from Jesus how to live in the kingdom of God. Amen. And the last one. You have to choose into your training and growth every day. Dude, you got to choose into it. I told you before, Our default setting is imposter mode. Our default setting is trying. So friends, every morning when you wake up, you got to choose into this. And if you're like me, you got to re-choose into it many times a day. (laughs) If I'm being honest with you. Sometimes it feels like I'm doing it a million times. And in those moments when I feel like I've slipped into trying mode, I have to do everything that I can to realign myself to my captain, to my Jesus. What helps me is there's this line by one of my favorite people in the world, Rob Reamer. 
And when I say this, it helps to, real, to realign me to Jesus. He says, the issue of my value, issue of my worth, the issue of my identity, the issue of my present and eternal destiny was settled at the cross by Jesus. He's in control. Theology 101, he is smart. He knows a lot of good things. So when I say that, it helps me to realign myself to Jesus so I can hear from him. I can learn from him. And I can move accordingly in my life because of that. What what do you have to do to align yourself? Like is it worship? Is it prayer? Is it reading a book? I don't know what it is. But whatever it is that aligns you to Jesus, please do it. And I'm asking you, be ruthless about it. When I was in youth group, I once heard a pastor say, be ruthless with sin or else sin will be ruthless with you. Be ruthless about it, man. Show no mercy to dark side. Please, do whatever you got to do to align yourself to Jesus, your captain. I'll close with this. Ralph Emerson once wrote, Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Uh, Sow a character, reap a destiny. This is what training with Jesus looks like. Sow your thoughts, reap the wisdom of Christ. Amen? Sow your control, reap his peace. Sow your greed, reap his generosity. Sow your apathy, reap his passion. Sow your hard-heartedness, reap his tender, loving heart in you. Sow your anxiety, reap his joy. Sow your hurt, reap his healing. Sow your doubts, reap his faith. Sow your short temper, reap his patience. Sow your impulsive tendencies, reap his self-control. Sow your bondage, reap his freedom. Hello. Sow your broken life to the Lord, and I promise you, in time, you will reap the life of Jesus. Amen? So that you can see like he sees. So you can think like he thinks. So you can feel what he feels. You can do what he does so that you will become more and more like him. That's why we train. That's why we train. Trying cannot get you this. Training does. Amen? This is God's preferred life for you, friends. This is God's desired life for you. My question is this. Do you want it? I'm believing you're saying amen. I'm serious. Do you want that? Because, uh, uh, listen, listen. Don't let the imposter say yes. I want you to really say yes. Do you want it? Because you got to buy into it, man. You got to choose into this. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Jesus said, carry your cross. But I'm telling you, woo, 
The reward? Come on. Who wants it? If you want it, I want you to stand. Friends, can we be ruthless about, like, just be so brutally honest with yourself today? Where are you trying? Where are you trying to do it on your own? Where are you trying to blow wind into your sail? Where are you trying to just absolutely do it by your own powers and ability? Where are you not surrendering control over your life? Friends, where is the Lord saying, come on, I want that. Trust me, I I want that area. Give me that. Trust me. For the next minute, can we just, can we come before the Lord? I mean, can we repent, first of all, for trying to do it our way? There's always grace. There's always forgiveness for those who repent. There's always grace and forgiveness in Jesus. So can we come before the Lord and just surrender it as a feat in repentance? And as you do, ask him, Lord, help me to align my life so that I am connected to you, so I can hear from you, I can learn from you, so I can grow in you. Could you do that right now? Jesus, I thank you for everyone who's here. God, your word says that it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It is your kindness, Jesus, that will help realign us back to you. And Father, for everyone up here who is standing up, who is saying, I want that, Holy Spirit, come and move. Holy Spirit, come and move. Be the wind in their sail. Holy Spirit, come and break every single barrier, every single lie, every single stumbling block that is keeping them from maturing, growing, breaking through in you. Holy Spirit, come. Teach them. Lead them. Guide them. Protect them. For your glory, for your fame, we seal this in the mighty name of Jesus. Church says, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week, everyone.